Welcome to the Live Treasure Podcast, brought to you by Treasured Ministries, where every week we coach you with steps of faith you can take today to change your tomorrow. And now, on to today's show. Hey, everybody, and happy halfway through summer to you. I tell you, I feel like summer is flying by so quickly. It feels like it's slipping out of my hands like a greased watermelon. Did any of you ever play that uh, pool game growing up where they would take the greased watermelon and it was who, whatever, you would divide up into two teams and it was whatever team could get the greased watermelon over to the other side of the pool. Are you guys like, what are you talking about, Eileen? Anyway, when I was growing up, we played that at our neighborhood pool every year. And I am blown away with the fact that summer is already half over. And we are marching on in our summer podcast series called What Does It Mean to Forgive? And we've been diving deep into this topic uh, every week um, to just give us some clarity on what has oftentimes become a confusing topic because it's simplified inside of church. I mean, we're spending this entire summer on forgiveness. And a lot of times inside of church, we're told to forgive and then that's it. And, you know, it really is a complex topic. And so we're taking it step by step. And we've talked about the fact that only God can be the one to give judicial forgiveness, that a lot of times offenders, um, especially if they're abusive, will come to you and try to push you into forgiving And what they're really looking for is they want to be released from their own shame. And that's something they have to go to God to get, not to you. You cannot give them um, judicial forgiveness, release from sin. Only God can do that. But that there is a part that you and I do play in forgiveness. And part of that is that we don't retaliate 100%. We let that go. That's God's job um, to get justice, not ours. Um, And number two is that we want to process the pain with God so that we can shift our faith off of our offender and back onto the Lord. We're going to be talking about that next week. Then the third part is that we extend grace. Now, extending grace to our offender is not trusting your offender again. Um, And that too, I think, is a place where people get confused. Today is part two of you don't retaliate. And uh, we're going to dive a little bit more deeper into this specific part about not retaliating because I think for years, I thought that forgiveness meant that I didn't I wasn't supposed to have boundaries with that person. And a lot of times there was guilt associated with setting a boundary. Um, And because of that, that part got all confusing. And so today we're going to be looking at that again. We're going to be, you know, looking at how God is our validator and our vindicator. And that's a huge part of our responsibility inside of forgiveness is, you know, trusting God to do his part. 
And a lot of times the Holy Spirit will tell you to set boundaries with somebody. And if you don't feel like it's okay or you feel guilt over setting the boundary, then instead of having healthy relationship, you can have havoc again inside of your life. And, you know, boundaries are not unforgiveness. Boundaries are not bitterness. And boundaries, when done God's way, are actually a blessing, not only for you, but also your offender. And so today, let's go ahead and dive into our message. Boy, am I excited to to bring this message to you today. I want to talk to you today about how you are unbreakable when you see God as your validator and your vindicator. Somebody needs to hear that today. There is no offense that can come against you that will break you when you see God as your validator and your vindicator. You know, when God was calling me to teach this series on what does it mean to uh, forgive this summer, and if you're just joining us by YouTube, YouTube. I want to encourage you and um, subscribe so you can watch all the videos that we've done so far in this series. If you're listening by podcast, you can subscribe to the Live Treasure podcast. You don't want to miss uh, any of this content. Um, what we're doing is we are diving deep into the Word of God so that we can get clarity on the complex topic of forgiveness because oftentimes inside of church, it's oversimplified, which leaves us in confusion about this very healing, timeless process that God has given us and and the word works. And when you walk in forgiveness, it does not mean you have to throw wisdom out the window. On the contrary, when you stand under God's strategy, Not only do you find healing, but he gives you the keys where you can move forward. And so we wanted to take not just one podcast or YouTube video, but to walk through this over a series of lessons to bring clarity to the complexity uh, of, of forgiveness so that you and I could walk in freedom. And when God laid this on my heart, I have to tell you immediately, I was like, oh gosh, because anytime I teach on anything, God has to bring me through it. In other words, the most powerful way that the Lord teaches me is not necessarily in the context of reading material, but it is in the school of the Holy Spirit. When I have to walk through it myself, when I fumble and make mistakes, when I wrestle with God like Jacob did and I find truth and I sing out to God, I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to understand your concept of forgiveness because I want to be free. 
And so I knew that God was going to uh, bring up old hurts, and he has, and that I was going to have to walk through experiences that maybe I had pushed down and said, you know, I'm just going to shut that down. I don't want to open up that box and have to process through that pain again. Uh, but, but I knew, I knew that there was going to be no other way. And that is, has been exactly the case as I've been teaching through uh, this topic to you. Um, and one of the hurts um, that is a longstanding hurt um, uh, that I've wrestled with, and I don't really feel like I, I'm free from, I've set boundaries with this person, but how many of you have an experience where that person still owns a little mental real estate inside of your head? That person, even though you've set boundaries, maybe you've um, uh, uh, separated from the toxic relationship, but still that person doesn't have to be in the room. And when that person is brought up, something happens inside of you. The enemy triggers you um, and that troubles you. Well, I have a situation like that. And, you know, I had this huge aha moment this week that I was so excited to share with you about because last week the enemy brought it up. He brought it up through circumstance. And as I was sitting there and as I was talking to my husband about the situation and as I was looking at him and as I was uh, just wrestling with all that was going on inside of my head and feeling so frustrated and even saying out loud to him, I'm so upset because I've lost so much because of the hurt that this offender has caused me. I don't want to lose anymore. Not even one more minute of this person stealing any more mental real estate inside of my head. And I just began to cry out for wisdom. And then God showed me something that I'd never seen before. <laughs> that I was grappling over this situation because I felt shame over setting boundaries with this person. And I also felt shame because this relationship was not in a reconciliated state. In other words, the standard of having that perfect relationship inside of this scenario, when I mean perfect, I mean reconciled, right? Because I didn't have that and because I knew that this person was not emotionally safe for me to be intimate with, to share my feelings with. And so there needed to be a boundary that in order to justify that boundary to other people and to myself, because I didn't have confidence in the boundary that God was asking me to take because I didn't have confidence because that relationship wasn't restored. I needed to justify it with judgment, I needed to continue to replay the story in my head and paint myself as the victim and that person the villain because I had shame over setting the boundary and shame over that standard 
of a perfect relationship, I felt like that I needed to be self-reliant and be my validator and my vindicator. And when I was biting back by saying, do you remember the time that they said this and this person did that? You know what? <laughs> I wasn't trusting God. And instead of using God's strategy, I was playing right into the enemy. And you know what? God spoke to me inside of that moment, and it was so powerful. I couldn't wait to share it with you today. He said to me, Eileen, you must be okay that not every relationship in your life is okay. You must trust me as your validator and your vindicator. And you don't need to prove to everybody that your boundary was right and justified because I've asked you to set it. And every time you feel the need to tell everybody what that person did, you're playing right into the enemy's hands and it's a form of retaliation and you don't trust me. You know, we talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago, um, but uh, that, that there's a work that we have to do inside forgiveness. Uh, the Galatians says this, pay it careful to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own Conduct, Galatians 6, 4, and 5. And I talked about uh, in, in, uh, in part two and in part three how we have personal responsibility inside of the process of forgiveness. And this is not a load that our offender can carry or God can carry. He asks us to carry it on our own. And there's a temptation, you see, that we talked about the temptation. And a lot of times, if you struggle with codependency, you will be tempted to do this. Codependents love to, uh, to carry other people's loads. And we also love to make other people responsible uh, for our own load. And so when we get confused over what is our load to carry inside of forgiveness, and we talked about this in prior videos, offenders and abusers and the enemy himself, they can manipulate us into trying to carry a responsibility that is not ours. And you can watch the prior videos to that, but you know what else? I saw in this that was so powerful that shame and self-reliance is something that the enemy will use to shut down that personal work, your personal load that God has asked you to carry. And what is our personal load? We've talked about this. 
One, that we do not retaliate. We don't bite back. Number two, we shift our focus. We put our faith in God. I'm going to be talking about that uh, in videos to come. And number three, we extend grace. It doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries or that you trust again. We'll be talking about that in, in the next videos. But I want to keep concentrating on the first part of that. And that is not to retaliate. I realized <laughs> that it was my work to do, not anybody else's, for me to look to God to be my validator, that God had asked me to set that boundary and that I could be confident in that choice that when somebody else continually belittled me and pulled me down that I didn't need to take the low road with them to prove to everybody else that I wasn't a bad person because this relationship wasn't perfect. No, I realized that it was my work to do, my work to believe God and my about my identity in Him and you know what else I saw that was so beautiful about this personal work, that our personal responsibility that God has called us to do is that it is not dependent on another person. And that is a place of praise. Now, it is going to be work. We're going to be talking more about the work where you're going to process with God so you can get free. And it is work. And let me tell you something, when everybody else thinks your offender is right and a narcissist always has that shiny outside, so my codependents that I'm talking to today, you know what I'm talking about. It is work to keep your mouth shut and to not bite back. But I'm going to tell you what a beautiful, powerful <laughs> place of quiet strength it is to stand with your God when you see God as your validator and your vindicator. Point number one today is this. Shame and self-reliance shut down participation in our part of God's forgiveness process, keeping us stuck under the enemy's thumb. How many of you are ready to get unstuck? See, I thought for years <laughs> that I would get satisfaction when the relationship was restored, when that person would admit to everybody that they were wrong, when I would finally be validated by another person. But that's not where the satisfaction comes. I thought that if I spat back and maybe shared stories with others and, and retaliated, and, and let me tell you something, there's another form of retaliation that I thought about this week, and that is this. Some of us, in our shame, because it's not all perfect, in our shame, because the enemies told us it's wrong for you to even get upset about the offense that happened to you. Sometimes, you know what we do with that? We don't retaliate against our offender or anybody else. We turn that retaliation against ourselves with self-deprecating thoughts and words that we say about ourselves. And we walk around with our heads down and the enemy has us 
underneath his thumb. I want to go back to that verse in Galatians again. It says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then, for then, you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. I want to read it again. Pay attention to your own work. Then, treasured one. Then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. How many of you, you've set the boundary, you've ended the relationship, you've read books about forgiveness, but you don't have completion. There's a sense that there's all these loose ends untied and some of these loose ends are because your offender refuses to apologize, refuses to change, and you've taken a bold step that, you know what, you're going to start to set boundaries, but there's still all these loose ends around you. In fact, it's like that person is still there inside of the room, and they're still saying these things about you, and you don't feel satisfied. (laughs) And so then, because we're not doing our own work, the work that we're responsible for doing, we begin to try to carry other loads in forgiveness that God is not asking us to carry, like validating and vindicating, and we're not satisfied. And the reason is, is because satisfaction does not happen through retaliation. It comes from doing my work in God's forgiveness process. And here's the beautiful thing about the my work process. Your work does not depend upon another person. Oh, but see, the enemy wants to shut that work down. Because if he can get you all in unforgiveness, if he can get you there so you won't do your work, (laughs) you'll stay stuck. And all he has to do is to start the song in one little inch of what happened to you and you'll jump on that bandwagon and you'll start to remember what this person said and what that person said. And if I had only said this and everything that's lost and wasted inside of your life, let me tell you something, the enemy has robbed you of enough and it's time for you and I to be brave and do the work and to be free. Now, the first uh, thing that I want to tell you Uh, about this is that the shame a lot of times comes over standards. There's shame that you and I can feel when somebody has offended us. There's shame that we can feel when we've legitimately missed the mark and we need to go to God and and ask for forgiveness. But then there's a shame that can happen in our life from standards. Every single one of us want to know, do we measure up? And so there's all these measuring sticks and they could be measuring sticks of what other people think about us or measuring sticks um, from the world's standards. And I just wanna toss this out to you. 
especially inside of the Christian community, we can feel like that there's a standard that every single relationship inside of our life needs to be neat and tidy. And when it's not, we feel shame. (laughs) And sometimes to justify what happened, we might need to talk about the other person or this person or that person. And it can be completely true what we're saying. But God showed me He held up a mirror to me and he said, Eileen, you don't have to justify the boundary through judgment over others. That puts you in a victim state and it keeps you stuck. If I've told you to separate, then you can stand under it with confidence. And so the first thing is, is that because you are a Christian, it does not mean that every relationship is going to be neat and tidy. Listen, are you believing falsely that satisfaction and completion, that the healing to happen in your life will come when you can fix that relationship? You know what? It won't. And here's why. Number one, you cannot change that person. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care what you do for them. They have to choose to change. And if that's the standard that you've set for how you're going to feel satisfied or complete or healed or whole, do you see where that keeps you stuck? So the first thing is you need to take that standard down. The second thing is shame over boundaries. And so shame over boundaries, feeling bad about having a separation. You know, boundaries are not bitterness, but the enemy will take scriptures and he'll confuse us. Some of you may have said, well, what about that scripture, Eileen, about turning the other cheek? Well, let let me read to you that scripture first. This is Matthew 5, verse 38 through 41. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it to two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, at first when we read this, we may falsely conclude that boundaries are not biblical and that we should just be a punching bag. But let me tell you something. That's not what this scripture means. God does not want you to be a punching bag. (laughs) But he does want you to align with his power. And part of that is not giving your power over to your offender. And if you retaliate and if you don't handle it and if you respond with hate, your offender has control over you. God does not want you 
to stoop to your offender's level. He wants you to face your offender his way by taking his hand and the high road. I want to read to you this quote uh, by Dr. Allison Cook, and I'm going to I'm going to link this blog in the YouTube note, the podcast notes, uh, and inside of the Treasure Tribe, so that you can go to her website and read more. But she talks about uh, turning the other cheek. It is not being a punching bag. It's a brave counter move. It's so important to understand this passage on a deeper level. When Jesus says to turn the other cheek, he does not mean to invite more abuse. His message here is much more subversive than that. Rather, in context, to turn the other cheek is a demonstration of strength. Theologian N.T. Wright unpacks a subtle but powerful lesson on boundaries implicit in this passage. Here's what he says. To be struck on the right cheek in that world almost certainly meant being hit with the back of the right hand. That's not just violence, but an insult. It implies that you're an inferior, perhaps a slave, a child, or in that world, and even sometimes today, a woman. What's the answer? Hitting back only keeps evil in circulation, Offering the other cheek implies, hit me again if you like, but now as an equal, I am not an inferior. Think about that for a minute. See it in this light. Turning the other cheek is a brave counter move. It's not being a doormat. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Turning the other cheek is a way of standing your ground, communicating, you will not belittle me. You cannot take my dignity. It is countering bullying from a position of strength. That's what these scriptures are implying. It is countering bullying from a position of strength. Think about it this way. Imagine if someone came up to you in the middle of your church work or mom's group and berated you publicly. What if you stood your ground calmly, stared them straight in the eye and said clearly so that everyone could hear, is there anything else you have to say to me? Who would look like the fool in that scenario? Who would look strong? You would, right? Turning the other cheek is not a way of saying, just keep hurting me. Rather, it's a way of standing firm in the face of abuse and mistreatment from a position of strength. It's familiar tactic that Martin Luther King would use in his nonviolent protests. Instead of fighting back, he simply stood his ground in brave acts of defiance daring his enemies to show even more of their true colors. It's the opposite of being a doormat, and it's extremely effective. When Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he was not advocating for spinelessness, nor was he advocating for you to take the offending party off the hook. What Jesus is showing us here is extremely profound way to take a stand. He's saying, anchor yourself in the truth of who you are and the truth of who I am. 
stand your ground on what is right. Actions speak loudly. Now that, my friends, is a powerful boundary. And again, I'm going to link that below. In other words, the, the, the bottom line is this. It is counteracting your offender from a position of strength. It is not stooping to their level and biting them back when you and I see God as our validator and vindicator. We can take God's hand and do our work with confidence and courage and move forward. And I'm going to give you three steps to do this. Number one, always avoid hitting back. It is the enemy's bait for you to hit back at your enemy. You make a decision. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to stoop to that level. See, forgiveness, it is all about stopping the cycle of hurt. And if we confront a wrong with another wrong, it doesn't mean you don't draw boundaries. It doesn't mean that you have to trust that person again. But don't you dare stoop to their level. That's the enemy's play. Always avoid hitting back. And listen, when it happens, you know, emotions will run high. And it can be very um, um, tempting to just want to hit back whether it's to hit back at words or whatever, but you know what? Pause and always avoid hitting back. Don't take the enemy's bait. Number two, boundaries are always better than bitterness and boundaries are not bitterness. And maybe for a while, before you figure out how you're going to handle your offender, maybe you need some space. I'm a huge believer in boundaries. And so once you make that decision, you know, um, oftentimes when we retaliate, it can be that emotional response. And so that's why it's really wise for us to set boundaries. Okay, so number one, always avoid attacking back. Don't take the enemy's bait. And then remember Boundaries are better than bitterness. It's okay for you to set a boundary for a while with that person. Number two, ask God for a battle plan and act with confidence. It's not that God doesn't want us to stand our ground, but he wants us to do it his way. Do you ever read the Gospels and, um, and are you like me and you look at how when Jesus interacts with a Pharisee or, or anybody like that and he has these really creative comebacks, right? Like where he, you know, he doesn't bite the person back. He doesn't hurt the other person, but he says things in a way that really stop the Pharisee in their tracks or, or makes the other person think. And, and sometimes I think to myself, you know, I wish I could just know how to respond that way. Oftentimes, um, when, when somebody hurts me, um, especially back in my codependent days where I was so hung on the words that others were saying over me, it was like I was so thrown back, I didn't even know how to respond. But, but here is the blessing of being a child of God, guess what? <laughs> You've got Jesus. 
You've got Jesus because you have the living water, the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and you can ask God for a battle plan and act with confidence. It doesn't mean that you remain a punching bag, draw boundaries, and ask God for a strategy, and then act on that strategy with confidence. And then number three is this. Anchor yourself in the truth of who God is and who you are and who the real enemy is. Because when we stand with God, we are unbreakable. You see, the real enemy is Satan himself. You've got a choice. You can spend your energy getting angry at that person, or you can spend your energy doing the work, doing the work, taking personal responsibility. You know, Matthew 10, 16 says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. And that's what I think about when I think about those scriptures about turning the other cheeks. It's like, you know, we're not going to hit back. We're not going to stoop to our offender's level, but we are going to be wise. And the way that we're going to be wise is we're going to ask God for a strategy. How do you want me to handle it? And it could be that God tells you he wants you to confront. We're going to have a video on that later. It could be that God doesn't want you to say a word. And he says, be still and I'm going to fight for you. But you know what? You have the Holy Spirit within you and God will give you a battle plan. So number one, Always avoid hitting back. Number two, ask for a battle plan and act with confidence. And number three, anchor yourself in the truth of who God is and of who you are and who the real enemy is. Because when we stand with God, we are unbreakable. God is your validator and your vindicator. Satisfaction does not come from retaliation. It comes from doing my work and God's forgiveness process. Always avoid hitting back. Boundaries are better than bitterness. Ask for a battle plan and act with confidence and anchor yourself in the truth of who God is and who you are. Because when you hold God's hand, you are unbreakable. You see, when I pay attention to my own work, I pursue justice that restores and finally find completion, satisfaction, and peace to move forward. See, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that completion. And it doesn't come from retaliating. It doesn't come from getting your offender to say that they were wrong. It doesn't come from restoring the relationship, although when we do our work, it makes room for God to do that. But it comes from doing your work. The enemy of your soul has robbed you of enough. Don't let him break you with bitterness. When you hold God's hand and stand with him, you are unbreakable. In the book of Isaiah, 
the Lord speaks these words over the Israelites. And, and these were his people who were captured. They were in Babylon and they were there uh, be, because of their sin. And anyway, everything was a mess. And sometimes life can get messy and our relationships can get messy. And it can seem like that we can feel very powerless, right? Is in that point that you and I can find our strength by looking up or when we anchor ourselves in the truth about who God is and who we are, we can take his hand instead of hitting back. And so God comes to the Israelites and he says these words. And maybe you need to hear these words today. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Verse 28, have you not heard have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired and young man will fail in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. that wraps up our podcast today. Thanks so much for listening in. And I have a favor to ask of you. As this podcast is playing, I'm embarking on a journey. We're getting ready to have our treasured tribe, our annual retreat at the Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. Would you take about one minute after this podcast is over and just lift up the women on this retreat. I'm super excited about the content that we're having and we're just believing God to heal hearts and to build community. So won't you join us in prayer? Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.